Good morning. I'm Catherine Richard, and you're listening to NPR News. When I think back to my childhood summers, an image that comes to mind immediately is sitting on my front porch in North Carolina reading. I devoured everything from the Babysitter's Club to Nancy Drew books to The Catcher in the Rye and Clan of the Cave Bear from my mother's shelves. And that lazy feeling of reading without an agenda or a timeline is something I'm trying to bring back into my very chaotic life. And weirdly enough, the pandemic has allowed me to make space for this. So today we're going to channel that vibe. It's a hot summer day, even though I know it's raining. Just imagine it. Maybe you're on a beach. Maybe you're at the lake and you've got a great book in your hand. For me this summer, even though it's a couple years old, that book was Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keene. And I just adored it. And I've been recommending it to absolutely everyone. In fact, I don't know where my copy is right now because I've lent it out. Today, we're going to chat with a few of Minnesota's beloved booksellers. And of course, we want to hear from you. Has the pandemic influenced your book choices? What did you read this summer? Would you recommend it? Are there books you're taking with you on your last summer getaway? And have you already started compiling your reading list for the fall? The lines are open. You can call us at 651-227-6000, or you can tweet me at at Cat Richard. That's C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T. Joining us now are Dion Sims, the owner of Black Garnet Books. Thanks for being with us, Dion. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We also have Claire Lane. She's the publicist at Milkweed Editions, a Minnesota-based small press. Thanks for being with us, Claire. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Dion, I want to start with you. I know that the pandemic, for me at least, has really reinforced my love of fiction because my entire professional life is observing and writing and reading nonfiction, and it can just be too much sometimes, especially in this moment. I'm wondering, did the pandemic change your personal reading habits? Um, Absolutely. I think before the pandemic, um, I was really kind of in this this fantasy um, place where I was just kind of like, I really don't want to be connected to anything realistic. Um, I was reading through um, Children of Blood and Bone, which is one of my like, now one of my top favorite books ever. But Mm. um, that book is really grounded in just an entirely different world. And once the pandemic started, I already felt like I was in a different world. (laughs) I already felt very (laughs) disconnected from everything that was around me. And I just really craved this feeling of getting out of my house and being with people. And so I actually found myself really invested in memoirs, which is not something that I'd ever experienced before. That's really interesting. Is there a memoir that you have read or even a couple that really stick with you that you are thrilled that you discovered? Yes. So most recently, I finished Somebody's Daughter by Ashley Sue Ford. Um, Ashley grew up in a tumultuous, a bit unstable household, um, which is something that I can't entirely connect with but at the same time there were aspects where I was like okay I can see myself in this I can see myself in this childhood situation um and honestly it was 
one of those books that was hard to read, but at the same time was just a joy to read because the way that she's so honest, the way that she was just so open um, about her experiences, about how her childhood brought her to where she is now. Um, I think that sometimes when I read memoirs, it's very focused on, you know, the everything that happens after, let's say, high school graduation. It's very focused on the adult experiences. Um, right. And so I think it was really a, a joy to be able to hear about childhood and especially black queer like girlhood um but obviously through the voice of an adult um it's just a very beautiful beautiful memoir and i'm so grateful that i got to read it claire i want to ask you the same question how did you find yourself reading in the pandemic any changes for you sure um i think my reading definitely changed during the pandemic um, I think I felt like everything was creating so much distraction and it was hard for me to, to really focus on any one thing at a time because there was so much happening in the world. It felt like there was, um, some new huge thing to grapple with every five minutes. And I felt this need to really practice, uh, attention and paying attention and just sitting with something. Um, and for that reason, I, I felt more drawn to poetry than I have in the past. Um, I generally read fiction and nonfiction and these sweeping sagas that sweep me up. But I felt like during the pandemic, it was important to set aside five minutes every day to just read a poem, sit with it and practice paying attention in in a way that I felt like was becoming harder and harder to do, uh, given everything going on this year. So we have uh, Jennifer calling in from Farmington. Jennifer, what have you been reading this summer? Well, I am reading Margaret Atwood's series, uh, the Mad Adam series. It started with Oryx and Crake, which I read, oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And it's about a human-caused pandemic. One person decides that humans are too awful for the planet and must be destroyed. And the three books, Oryx and Crake, ooh, what's the middle middle one? Ah, ooh, Year of the Flood and Mad Adam are the aftermath of that and the human stories of those that survived. And it's just obviously topical, but it's also an interesting way to look at the way she sees peak capitalism going which is fascinating. Great recommendation. Uh, Margaret Atwood just, you know, in my view, can't do any wrong. I have to tell you, there is a book I read several years ago about a pandemic called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. I loved it. And I remember reading at the time, reading it and thinking, wow, this is great nonfiction or or, or, sorry, science fiction. (laughs) And, And I've been thinking about picking it back up during the pandemic, but I'm almost afraid to. Claire, um, have you read any sort of pandemic fiction during all of this? And how have, what sort of feelings have you had about it, if you have? You know, it's funny that you ask that because I really haven't read any science fiction, per se, or um, pandemic fiction. But I did read um, Hamnet this year. 
And that is a historical novel about Shakespeare's son who died during, you know, the pandemic of the past. And for me, that felt extremely close to what we're experiencing now, but in a totally different time period. Um, And yet it resonated with me so much because it's central themes of grief and loss and feeling um, kind of this lack of control over an illness tearing through your community. Um, It felt distant enough where I could uh, engage with it without, you know, fear or hesitation um, and yet very close to what we're experiencing now. Our call lines are open and we really want to hear from you. What has been your book of the summer? What are you recommending to friends right now? And what are you eager to read next? Are there bookstores or sellers that you just love? We want to hear about them. You can call us at 651-227-6000 or tweet me at Kat Richard. That's C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T. So, Dion, going back to you. Um, Have you had just a book that really stood out to you uh, this summer? I know I love mysteries. I read a ton of them. Um, But is there, what's been your book of the summer? Mm. So for me personally, um, I also had a poetry moment similar to Claire. Um, Mm. I was doing a poetry series, just like a, a, a series of pop-ups at the Walker Art Center and naturally being surrounded by poets and people who are passionate about poetry. I was like, I forgot that I also love poetry. Um, so I picked up Black Girl Call Home. It's by Jasmine Manns. Um, it's a poetry collection and she really goes into, you know, race, feminism, queer identity. Um, and it is probably just one of the most powerful poetry collections that I've gotten to read. Um, And what really drew me into it, I know people have their opinions about judging books by their covers and all that other stuff, but the cover Mm -hmm. of this poetry collection is uh, a young black girl. uh, It's a picture of her from behind and she's got these braids with these beautiful beads at the end. And, um, you know, I really connect to with that in the same way that, you know, for you reading in the summer reminds you of your childhood, reminds you of, um, you know, being a kid on your porch and that kind of thing. Looking at that cover reminded me of being a young black girl with my hair done the similar way, the braids and the beads, um, and my like stack of 10 books that I got from the library. Um, And I was like, that, just looking at that picture, it really already felt like home. You know, and so paired with that title, Black Girl Call Home, um, I just from start to finish was deeply invested in it. It was a beautiful collection. Claire, I want to ask you the same question. What's your big book from the summer that you are just telling everyone about? Yeah, so um, it's actually a milkweed book that I just fell in love with. Um, It's a novel called The Seed Keeper by Diane Wilson that came out last spring. Um, And it's just... I think during the pandemic, there was this common experience of reconnecting with the natural world and really engaging with the little plot of land around you. And the Seed Keeper follows this Dakota family through several generations, um, anchored by the voice of Rosalie Ironwing, the protagonist. And you see her grow up, get married, have a child, and then return to her childhood home to reconnect with 
um, Dakota ways of life and the traditions that raised her. And it's just a really powerful rumination on um, kind of reconnecting with your roots and finding ways to connect with the land, um, even if you've forgotten how to do it through years of living in this contemporary culture where that isn't necessarily a priority. So it's just um, a really stunning novel. It's written by a local author, Diane Wilson, and it's definitely the book that I'm telling everyone about this summer. You know, and Claire, on a similar note, one of my producers told me that she and her mother are both reading Robin Wall Kimmerer's, I think I'm saying that right, Braiding Sweetgrass together and just loving it. What is special about that book? Yes, that book is uh, continues to be our bestseller week after week. Um, it's, it's, again, written by an indigenous botanist. And Robin, she reminds us that... Um, Everything we need to know to really live live a good life is in the soil. If you look back to mosses and plants and the things growing right under our feet, we can learn so much about what it means to live in interdependence with everyone around us. Um, and I, I think so many people are connecting with it because we're hungry for that sense of community, um, that sense of relationality. And uh, Robin just continues to inspire readers around the world, really. We have Jackie and St. Paul on the phone, kind of in the same vein of that, you know, environmental connecting with the land theme. Jackie, you've been reading about the Dust Bowl. Tell us more. Yeah, I just um, have been reading Christian Hannon, The Four Winds. And it's a, a, a historical fiction about a family who uproots from Texas and moves to California. And I was kind of ignorant of all the um, the historical perspective of this. So it goes into, you know, all the physical things they go through. And then the political where the Okies were not um, accepted in California and all the boycotts that were against them. And it just is such a, a good book. And it's so new that Christian Hannon in her epilogue um, kind of re- equates it to the issues that we are going through now. And because of this book, I, I picked up um, The Dust Bowl by saying um, Grapes of Wrath, which I haven't read. So, um, you know, I really highly recommend you know, these two books to read to keep us posted onto our global warming, which we are really in the midst of. Yeah, and it's never too late to start, right? You know, <laughs> with the grapes of wrath. I think I read that in high school, but it's never too late. Dion, I am wondering, you know, just as a bookseller, what themes or genres have been flying off your shelves? Are you seeing that when things are in the news, you know, like climate change, that people are coming in and asking for those books, or what's the mix look like? I think it's been pretty consistent. Um, the theme that I'm seeing, which is really that people want to connect with each other. Um, they want to feel connection outside of themselves. Um, and, you know, especially since last summer, they're really looking for connection with experiences outside of themselves. Um, so, you know, I'm really seeing um, a draw to memoir. I'm really seeing a draw to nonfiction. Um but also, surprisingly, I'm seeing a draw to more suspense, thriller, mystery type books. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to, trying to figure out what the connection is there. Um, but I do know that 
people for the most part are really looking for things that um, help them think outside of themselves. Um, for example, one book that's really flying off the shelves right now is um, "You and Your You Are Your Best Thing." I believe it's uh, vulnerability, shame, resilience, and the Black experience, and it's a book by uh, Tarana Burke and Brene Brown. Um, you know, Brene Brown, huge um, when it comes to figuring out internal connections, when it comes to figuring out, you know, um, looking at your own shame, looking at your own resiliency, how we use those types of uh, emotions uh, with each other and our relationships with each other. Um, and Tarana Burke, of course, the creator of the Me Too movement, um, a huge proponent for uh, black women uh, and the black woman experience. And I think that the two of them together created this book that people are just so drawn to because of that meshing of those two really strong um, voices and also um, just expertise. Uh, I think that that's something that I just have been really fascinated to see and speaking of booksellers, Leslie on Twitter says Drury Lane Books in Grand Marais is a must for our family every August. Even as teens, the kids find themselves hungry for any book they can buy from that store. It can be hard to get a paper book in their hands for the rest of the year. Now, Linda also writes, speaking of mysteries, the Three Pine series written by Louise Penny um, has been great. She says she is cheerfully making her way through it. She loves the characters and the writing. Penny announced yesterday that there's a TV series in the works. I am ashamed to say that I've had a Louise Penny um, book on my shelf for a long time. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, so maybe I'll I'll get to that really soon. Um, I want to talk about reading books for the second time. I did that this summer, and I rarely do that. That's partly because when I pick up a book, I want I want it to be like revelatory and you know new, um, just because I have limited time to do it. I reread. Um, the Secret History by Donna Tartt this summer, which just feels a million miles away from my real life, kids in college, you know, Greek history and murder. Um, and it was just such a fun read. Um, Claire, is there anything that you have read more than once that you just, you know, is that something you do routinely? And, and uh, would you recommend any of the books that you've read more than once? Yeah, I. it's not something I do routinely, um, mostly because working in publishing, I have to read so many of the new books coming out to, to maintain a sense of the literary landscape. But one book I return to over and over again is Never Let Me Go, a novel by Kazuo Ishiguro. Mm, um, it's great. It, it is just uh, one of those novels that I, I think about all the time. There are certain paragraphs that I have dog-eared that I return to over and over again. Um, there's something so intimate in his style of storytelling. And again, the the themes there are just um, continue to be so relevant. Um, there's a lot in that book about um, the way that art and creativity can sustain us during difficult times. And also about the ways in which we depend on each other um, to survive. So that's a novel that I would say I, I've reread many times at this point. We have to take a break for news here shortly. But Dion, before we do that, I really want to hear from you. Are you do you read books more than once? Um, what's that like for you? And is there any that you would recommend? 
I'm not a huge repeat reader. Um, I know that when I do, it's usually because I'm feeling kind of emotionally, um, how do I say this? Like I'm feeling nostalgic. Um, and I'm feeling kind of like, I want to go back to something that reminds me of a time when I was usually feeling the opposite of whatever current emotion I'm in. Um, and that typically means I'm going back to YA. Um, so rather than rereading something I've already read, it's sort of this just shifting into a genre that I'm more familiar with. Um, I grew up reading YA, obviously. Um, and, you know, that was a good like 10 years of my life. I was entrenched in just the young adult theories that were all around me. So usually that looks like going back to, you know, um, maybe a bit of <laughs> a little bit of um, the Hunger Games, a little bit of, you know, the ugly series. It really just depends. But yeah, not much of a second reader, but I like to go back to YA when I'm feeling like that kind of repeat emotion, I suppose. Yeah. We're going to take a break for news, but before I do, I would like to thank my guest, Dion Sims. She is the owner of Black Garnet Books and Lane from Milkwood Editions in Minneapolis. You can find Black Garnet Books online at blackgarnetbooks.com and milkweed at milkweed.com. Thanks to you both for being with us. But right now, if you're just joining us, we're talking about reading books you've read this summer that you just could not put down and books you're eager to grab next. The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or tweet me at Cat Richard. That's C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T. We want to hear your best recommendations, new and old. And joining me now are Anthony Sabalis. He's a bookseller and events coordinator at Birch Bark Books and Native Arts. I think I said Birchwood in the first half. I apologize for that. He's also a writer and performance poet. And we have Haley Kirkwood. She's also with us. She's a writer, teaching artist, and manager at Birchbark Books and Native Arts in Minneapolis. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. So let's Great. Thank you. So let's start with the pandemic and how it's affected you as readers. Um, I asked my first guest that. I'm really curious to know from you, Anthony, how did this change your reading habits? Yeah, you know, it felt like reading for me became more urgent, you know, that suddenly I and we collectively were handed all of this time to just sit with ourselves. And I felt this desperate urge to fill it with reading because there's always that voice in the back of my mind that says, oh, you know, if only I had more time, I would read more. And suddenly there was this time. But it was interesting because that time offered was coming from such a, dare I say, almost cataclysmic place that it took a minute to realize that reading would be such a wonderful way to fill that time. And when I had that realization, I just suddenly, I wanted to read anything and everything. I love reading all genres. I just wanted to be surrounded by, by beautiful language and a really good story, be it nonfiction, fiction, it didn't matter as long as it really took me away 
in that, in that way that a book can, especially when we're kind of still in so many ways, kind of hunkering down because of the, of the pandemic. Yeah. Haley, what about you? How did your reading habits change? Sure. So I am a poet and I read a lot of poetry, but uh, throughout this past year, I found myself turning more to novels. And I think that um, came from a place where I want to fully submerse myself in someone else's life and worry about their problems rather than my problems and the world's problems. Um, I also found myself reading a lot of books that combine different forms and mediums. So I read two books in particular that um, really incorporated elements of collage and family photography. Um, and those were Dog Flowers by Danielle Geller and Your Memory by Victoria Chan, which is uh, coming out, I think, in the fall here. And those two books uh, really incorporated family photos and uh, lyric writing and essays in a way that just really um, was fortifying throughout the pandemic. So you guys are both writers, too. And I am wondering if the pandemic changed how you approach your craft. Anthony, did it change anything for you? You know, it's so interesting being that I am a performance poet during kind of COVID, I wasn't able to engage that part of my practice as much as I had grown used to being able to do that performance in front of audiences. A lot of it moved to Zoom virtual versions, which I am thankful for that we are able to do that. But there's still something about being in front of an audience and actually being able to have that exchange, that physical exchange. And my mind suddenly realized that. And I think over summer when people started to figure out how can we be together again in, in the actual same space, how can we, how can we make that happen? Uh, this energy I felt towards being able to suddenly write new things with the idea of being able to perform them in front of people, even if it's outside and it's windy and there's a plane overhead, you know, that, I don't know, that just revitalized me in a way that I didn't even think would happen. I didn't realize I had been missing it as much as I was. And then when I mm. suddenly had that opportunity again, it was astounding. Haley, what about you? I mean, that's that what, what Anthony just described is like a silver lining, right? I, I, Haley, <laughs> how has this been for you as a writer? Yeah, so I found myself journaling a lot more, um, just, you know, reflecting on the day-to-day in, you know, personal reflecting. And I found myself looking for um, details and moments in my life and in the world around me that I could record um, that were maybe elements and details I would not have um, noticed during the hustle and bustle of, you know, pre-pandemic times. So in my writing practice, I found myself really looking for moments of joy and beauty and grief um, in my immediate surroundings to record um, and and keep reminding myself that there is still life happening in the world. I just have to open my eyes and, and see it more. 
If you want to ask our booksellers something, the lines are open. We want to know what books you are loving right now, what you should read next. I also want to hear about your favorite summer reading rituals. You can tweet us, uh, tweet me at C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T or call in at 651-227-6000. We have Patty in Rochester on the line, who I understand has been reading the love songs of W.E.B. Dubois. Patty, what has this book been like for you at this moment? Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. I found this book. I was on vacation and I found it in the bookstore the day after it came out. And um, I, I I love it the way I was not at all familiar with the, um, the poet who was the author, Andre Fonet Jeffers. So um, I came into reading this really not knowing anything about her. Um, her prose is beautiful, the way that she weaves the um, history of not only African-American slaves, but also indigenous people um, with uh, the current life of um, a young African-American woman is, is, is amazing. And I am enjoying it and really relate into the night. It's a big book, 800 pages. So um, I am just loving it. So I highly Thank recommend you so much. it. Wonderful. Thank you. We also, also from Rochester, have Ardal on the line, um, who has been reading The Warmth of Other Suns and cast by Isabel Wilkerson. I know I said it at the top of the hour, I don't do nonfiction that much, but I did read The Warmth of Other Suns and loved it as well. Ardal, what, like, are these books that you've read recently sort of in the, you know, the, the, the climate we've been living in around racial justice, or are these books you read previously? Well, my, these were both books given to me, my, my, my daughter-in-law. And, uh, ordinarily I don't read that much of history. Uh, and yet, especially the warmth of other sons, almost read like a novel. And it just, it opened my eyes to the injustice that had been done for so long to our, especially to our African-American community. And um, I just, I was moved by both of them. I, I think that I look at a look at that whole issue with the injustices that have been done through a new lens. It made me much more aware of what's going on and, and trying to look at it through the eyes of the other. Thank it, you for it, those recommendations. It was very moving. Thank you so much for those recommendations. Um, speaking of nonfiction, Brandon DeBoom writes on Twitter that Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley startup is really great. I believe that's about um, the Theranos project. Um, and as he wrote, the bonus is that the legal trial is just now getting underway. And another shout out on Twitter from Karen and St. Michael, who also recommends Drury Lane's bookstore and Scout and Morgan in Cambridge as booksellers. You know, I want to ask you a little bit about just bookselling in the pandemic, too. How did Birchbark pivot, you know, especially in those initial months when everything was on lockdown? How and, and did you change your selling practices in a way that you might actually think is, you know, sustainable after the pandemic? Learned new things that you might be able to implement when, you know, things are basically back to normal. Anthony, yeah. go ahead and take that yeah. one. Of course. Absolutely. Um, we started to do mostly online sales 
during the pandemic. We also did curbside pickup um, and we get a lot of school orders. So schools who want to have more indigenous representation in their libraries will reach out to Birchbark um, with large orders. Um, so a lot of schools reached out to us during that time. And it was quite an interesting experience to go from having people in the store all the time and having that be the main way that people purchase their books to suddenly this kind of uh, distance, but still that yearning and that desire for like books was there. And that was, that was actually a very beautiful and reassuring thing to see that that love of literature was still there and as strong as ever. And that was, that was so very hopeful, especially when things are just so bleak. And I would say definitely the online presence is still very strong at at Birchbark, the way people are buying them. And I definitely feel like that will continue that way, that that will not change, that people will still, more so than they ever did before, reach out to us for books kind of through our online website and online sales. That's definitely a huge part of that, a huge part of the shift that happened post, um, post-pandemic. Yeah. Haley, I'm curious to know what sort of genres you're seeing flying off the shelves right now. What's been really popular this summer and, and in the last year? Mm-hmm. So books that focus on environmental justice have been really hot with us as well. I believe uh, Claire was talking about braiding sweetgrass and the seed keeper. We certainly sell a lot of those books. Um, we also have been seeing a surge in uh, interest in uh, young adult fiction, particularly native YA. And I think that has something to do with there's been a surge in native uh, young adult books this past year. Um, first that comes to mind is The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully, which just blew up. We also saw a lot of interest in this new imprint from HarperCollins called Heartstrom, which is a new imprint focused on middle grade young readers and just has a wide representation of young Native lives and experiences. Um, So we've seen a lot of interest in those books. Um, And we've also seen more of a push in poetry as well. I think people maybe became a little more adventurous in their reading habits throughout the pandemic and maybe, you know, delved into poetry a little more than they would have had they not had, you know, just acres of time to explore new reading. Yeah, I feel like after this hour, I'm going to have to start reading poetry, which I don't normally do. (laughs) Everyone's been talking about their poetry reading. If you're just joining us, we are talking about books poetry. Maybe you're maybe you're listening to books online. We want to hear about all of it, what you've read this summer and what you just couldn't put down. The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or tweet me at Kat Richard. That's C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T. We want to hear your best recommendations, new and old. We're going to take a call next from Renee in Minneapolis. What books do you want to recommend? Uh, so this summer I've been reading the Ember in the Ashes series by Sebastian Beer. Um, and what I just thought was really, really amazing about him is I, I had started looking for a fantasy series, but I didn't really want to read um, a lot of the typical European-based <laughs> uh, fantasy tropes. And so Sebastian Beer is a, a Pakistani-American author, and she really pulls on a lot of the Middle Eastern um, you know, stories and epics and uh, just influences, and it's just 
so refreshing to read a fantasy novel that doesn't, you know, doesn't follow the typical European line. Um, and it actually has uh, my interest in reading Rumi, you know, an old Arabian poet and uh, the Arabian Nights as well. So mixing a little bit of classical literature in with, you know, some new, uh, new fantasy genre. I love that. I'm gonna to have to check. I'm gonna to have to check that series out. Uh, Yukari Sakamoto on Twitter says that she recommends Radiant by a local Liz Heineke. I think I'm saying that right. Um, she says it's about Marie Curie and dancer Louis Fuller and their time in Paris. Um, Haley, are you familiar with this book as a, someone who's probably pretty involved in the local uh, writing scene? I'm not, but I'm writing it down on my list of books to read because that sounds very interesting. Yeah, Anthony, I'm not sure. Have you heard of this author? I, I the, the name is familiar, but I haven't heard of the book, but it does sound fascinating. Well, I am uh, I'm pleased that we are stumping the booksellers here with a new, <laughs> with a new book that they're, they're going to pick up. Um, next, we have a call from Rebecca in Minneapolis. Rebecca, tell me about how your reading style has changed in the pandemic. Yeah. So um, I started uh, listening to audiobooks. Um, took me a while to get into that, but I heard about a smaller company called Libro FM that allows you to purchase books through your local bookstore. So I actually purchased my books through Black Garnet. So part of the money um, goes to that bookstore, and then I get the audiobook. Oh, that's a really interesting business model. I have to tell you, I um, we're getting a lot of Twitter comments about listening to books because they feel like it's better. Melissa Hortman on Twitter wrote that the Audible version of the Midlight, Midnight Library was really great for her listening to it. I'm wondering, Anthony, do you listen to books? Is this something that you've done a lot of? I always feel like I'm like copping out somehow because I'm not actually reading it. <laughs> but I realize it's also like a really convenient way to absorb books as well yeah you know i i would say of the two mediums i do prefer to have the physical book in my hand but one thing that i've started to do because earlier the topic was rereading books and if there is a book that i really really just felt this immediate connection with and i want to experience it again sometimes i will listen to it on audio as a way to re-experience it and also as a way to experience it from a new lens as opposed to my taking the words off of the page with my own my own eyes <laughs> um hearing it read by by perhaps the author those are always my favorite when the author reads their their own work um but it's just such a joy to be able to hear another interpretation even though they are all the same work to hear someone else's interpretation, how they might have a character sound, how they may emphasize a particular word. I do enjoy that quite a bit. And I also think it hits that part of me that appreciates the sonic quality of literature and that kind of almost mm -hmm. performance poet's energy of me. Haley was mentioning Firekeeper's Daughter, and that is a really, really fantastic audio book that has um, uh, someone who used to work at Birchbark Books narrating it. Her name is Isabella LeBlanc, and that's a fantastic one. Um, another book that was very popular by an Indigenous author a couple of years ago, um, There, There by Tommy Orne. 
Orange. And his audiobook version, he had an ensemble of Native, uh, not voice actors, but Native, uh, prolific Native writers and so forth, reading the story. So they were able to bring their own Indigenous experience into the reading of that book. And that was tremendous. Last one I'll mention is um, The Night Watchman by Louise, the owner of the bookstore. Um, she reads the audiobook for The Night Watchman. So I listened to that after reading that book, um, and it was just fantastic. So audio, audio can be just thrilling sometimes. Haley, what are your feelings about listening to books as opposed to reading them? Yeah, um, so I think, much like Anthony, I am a fan of the handheld paper book. I have to honestly say, I don't think I've ever listened to an audiobook before, but I think that may be because I kind of have a limited capacity for technology, um, just the way it works in my life. I'm kind of hopelessly uh, bad at technology. Um, but in terms of, you know, listening to a book out loud, this isn't really comparable in any way to an audiobook, but I do, when reading poetry, like to read the poems out loud to myself. Um, to get, you know, a feel for the language, the sonic resonance, I believe, as Anthony astutely put it. Um, so I guess that's my answer to audiobooks. I'm all for people who listen to them. And um, that Libro FM program is really, really great. And I think you can um, buy books through Libro and choose to go through Birchbark as well. Um, and I just think that's fantastic for people who are on the go, who have a long commute. I think audiobooks are really fantastic for that. Yeah, you know, Michelle in Shoreview is saying that she uses an app from the library to listen to books, which Mm -hmm. um, I think people forget that that's often an option. Mm -hmm. The lines are still open. You can call in at 651-227-6000 or tweet me at Kat Richard. That's C-A-T-R-I-C-H-E-R-T with your best books of the summer. Bev from Minneapolis, what have you been enjoying reading this summer? Hi, thanks for taking my call. I read The Girl from Berlin by Ronald H. Balson, B-A-L-S-O-N. And it was um, a mystery and a historical novel. And uh, it flipped, the the chapters are very short, and they flip between 2017 and the 1930s and 1940s in Germany. So it's, the thing, the thing that is really wonderful about the book is it's very suspenseful. So it really holds your interest. But also, the characters are are just very, very vivid and realistic. So you really connect with them. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. On Twitter, Elizabeth recommends The Great Believers by Rebecca Makaki. I I think I'm saying that right. Liz uh, on Twitter says she's loved The Only Good Indians and Once There Were Wolves. She wishes both were longer. And Jen wrote on Twitter that she loved The Overstory by Richard Powers. Going back to the phone lines, I'd like to take a call now from um, Brianna in Excelsior. Um, Brianna, what book would you recommend? Hi, um, I just started listening to a book on Audible, and I haven't listened to books before either, and I find myself uh, picturing what word I should be reading, holding it in my hand. <laughs> so I'm not sure I like listening to books. I I would rather have it in my hand. But the book is excellent, and it was written by two women, a white woman and a black woman. And it's a fictional account of a real woman who um, 
she was a black woman who became the, um, well, they call her a librarian. It's called the personal librarian. But she was more like an art curator for one of the robber barons of the beginning and the end of the 19th century. I think it was J.P. Morgan, and he had a, an extensive collection of books and art. And she um, accumulated his collection for him and organized everything. And she's from a family where her mother's family um, were very fair-skinned black people. And her mother decided that her six children were going to pass as white in the beginning of the uh, 20th century. And it's a very interesting story. It put me in someone else's shoes that I could never imagine, you know, what her life was like. And now I want to go find the real um, biography of her life. But the woman's name was, um, well, she changes her name and um, her last name was Green. But um, her father, her father left the family when the mother decided they were going to tell the landlord in New York that they were a white family so they could live there. Mm. It's a very interesting, wonderful story. Thank you for the recommendation. It sounds like The Vanishing Half a little bit by Britt Bennett, which I also really um, enjoyed as well. I really, we don't have a ton of time left, but I really want to take a call from Amanda in Minneapolis. Amanda, you know, kind of quickly tell us what you do for a living. Well, it's actually interesting because the pandemic definitely changed kind of how I read, but I do a lot of voice work. And because there was no on-camera work for actors, I started recording audiobooks. And this long-form narration really changes the way that you are able as an actor to develop character and build the story. And it's been absolutely exciting because I love literature, but to be able to be the voice of some of these stories have been really, really fun. Thank you so much for calling in. Just a couple more recommendations here on Twitter. Deborah on Twitter writes that she was at her dad's last spring and going through her mom uh, who had passed away all of her books and brought all of her Sue Grafton books home. I read those. Oh, they were so great, especially as a teenager. I adored them. She didn't have any of them, but I have read at least 12 now and I'm reading the last one, R is for Ricochet. You know, before the time runs out here, I have um, the same question for both Anthony and Haley. I want to know what uh, you are, um, what you are recommending to everyone right now, and what is hitting the shelves this fall that we should be watching out for. Anthony, I will start with you. Yeah, definitely. I am recommending. Um Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. I thought that was just a fantastic novel. It is, I can't, it's hard. It's one of those books where it's very hard to talk about it without giving things away. Every page is pivotal to the plot development. It revolves around artificial intelligence, and that's all I'll say. It is fantastic, Hmm. and like nothing I've read before, I adored it. And then I am excited about particularly I'm excited about a lot of things, but um, two books in particular. Um, The owner of the bookstore, Louise Erdrich, she has a new novel coming out called The Sentence. It comes out at the beginning of November, uh, November 9th, I believe, and you can pre-order it through Birchbark. And it is a ghost story that takes place in a fictionalized Birchbark books um, in the year 2020. And it 
it'll just be wonderful. And then Anthony Dower, who wrote All the Light We Cannot See, who is a fantastic novelist. Oh, my gosh. He has the first book, Sense All the Light We Cannot See, um, coming out in September um, called Cloud Cuckoo Land. And it is a book that is very hard to describe because there are so many elements to it. But, oh, I am just so excited for those ones. And, yeah. I am, too. I'm going to go pre-order that next Louise Erdrich book for sure. That sounds fantastic. Haley, what mm-hmm. about you? What are you what are you recommending to everyone and uh, what are you uh, what should we be watching for this fall? Yeah, so I just finished reading um, and I'm going to be recommending it to everyone who comes in the store, Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Um, I finished it and just devoured it last night. It's a very compelling book, some excellent dialogue and has one of the best last sentences I've read in a really long time. Um, I'm also recommending The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Silya, which is a short story collection. I recommend to people who are a little um, hesitant to read short story collections. The Secret Lives of Church Ladies is great for readers like that. Wonderful. Want you to that. Yes. And uh, thank Holy you Warrior guys. By Joy thank Cardio you guys. The last one. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Anthony Sabalas Sib- uh, and Haley Kirkwood from Birch Bark Books and Native Arts in Minneapolis. Thanks to you both for being with us today. This conversation was produced by NPR Samantha Matsumoto. You've been listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. Looking for Carrie Miller? She's back talking about books and ideas at 11 a.m. every Friday starting September 10th. Thanks for listening.